0: welcome you're
1: listening to the wine and whiteboards
0: podcast we're a team of five badass women who will be your sommeliers to the marketing world we work and whiteboard together at our nine to five every day in b2b marketing
2: we're a small scrappy team that's picked up a few secret hacks along the way and we want to share our crazy ideas with you let's call it anything but ordinary guide to
3: marketing and design from chardonnay to rosé we've got your marketing sips and design tips
4: Now that's worth raising a glass too. So grab your favorite vino and join us. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the Wine and Whiteboards podcast. We're very excited because we have a special guest all the way from England joining us today. I would like to introduce everyone to Olivia from Girls in Marketing. Hi Hi. Olivia, we're so happy to have you here. Hi. Hi. Uh, For those who don't know, Girls in Marketing is an online platform and community that helps women successfully build marketing careers. Olivia started Girls in Marketing in 2019 and has already built this huge marketing community with over 80,000 combined followers on social media, which is quite impressive. As all of us know who have worked to build social media profiles, it can be a challenge and it takes a lot of work. That's a pretty impressive number. I know we've followed her online, kind of like fangirls. Olivia, obviously, we love the work that you have been doing. So this year, we're really excited to have the chance to interview you. Thank you for joining us.
5: No problem. I feel famous. <laughs> <laughs> you should. You are kind of famous. <laughs> Embrace it.
4: Bask in it. <laughs> As usual, before we dive in and hear you know Olivia's perspective on things, we will be sharing our sips of the day. I am again drinking the Main and Vine Blood Orange Mango Wine Spritzer. This is actually the last one in the pack, so you guys won't hear me talk about this one again. I will move on to something new. It's very refreshing, though, which I feel like I should have something a little bit more hearty since we did just get hit with a lot of snow. This is not a very wintry drink, but I'm sure you'll
2: forgive me. It's Katie, and I am drinking the Recipient Pinot Grigio. I feel very fancy with this bottle. I don't really know why. It tastes just like every other Pinot Grigio I've had, but I'm feeling bougie today, I guess. Does the bottle look fancy? Yeah, I don't, it looks like elegant. There's something about look- like the gold aspect of it. Golden black seems like elegant to me. I, I agree with that.
3: Uh, This is Kelly, and I am so excited to be drinking. Really, I'm just excited to be drinking anything because it is not January anymore, so I'm not doing dry January, and I am drinking a Syrah from my first leaf uh, wine subscription, and I guess to be quite honest, it really could have been terrible, and I probably would still be enjoying it just because it's the first thing I've had to drink in over a month, but it actually does
1: taste pretty good. I can't imagine how it's going to be after nine months of not drinking, (laughs) how great alcohol is going to taste I am over here, Paige, still pregnant and still drinking mocktails. Uh, So that's me. Kind of not as interesting as the rest of you girls.
0: This is Sarah, and today I'm drinking the Chateau Chantel Nice Red. It's a semi-sweet. I like this one because it's a baby bottle, so it doesn't make me feel as bad if I go through the whole thing during this episode. I will say that it says to enjoy Slightly Chilled, which I did not do, and I do have slight regrets that it was a little bit more chilled but check out my cool wine stopper it says oops i shouldn't pour it upside down it says sip happens like shit happens sip happens i thought it was funny anyways and it came with this really cute little baby elf on the shelf santa hat it's leftover santa from hat. christmas time so
2: i've never had a wine stopper that goes on the outside like the ones that go in like a cork how do you like that
0: We got them as a present for Christmas, since everyone knows we like wine. It's good. The only thing I'm worried about is if I were to tip the bottle over. I don't know how actually sealed it is. We'll see. It does say this goes great with a BLT sandwich, which I am now currently craving.
4: (laughs) (laughs) It's a very (laughs) random pairing.
0: It does say more. It says pizza, grilled foods, and even BLT sandwiches. But
5: that one caught my eye. That's really funny. Olivia, do you have anything that you're sipping on today? Well, I am quite on brand being British. um, I'm drinking a cup of tea. Um, Obviously, it's a bit later over here when we're recording, and I probably should be drinking, but I'm not a big drinker, so I'm on the hard stuff that is tea.
4: (laughs) Fair enough. Speaking of on brand, I do have a question because I have two corgis. And I feel like corgis tend to be a very British thing. And I actually have a corgi mug here from the drink I was having earlier. It actually says, some Americans upon meeting a British person ask, do you know the queen? I wonder if in the dog world, it's presumed the same of corgis. I don't really, it took me a really long time to understand what it means. And some random lady from my neighborhood tracked down my husband while he was on a walk with the dogs and gave it to him. It was very random and kind of bizarre. So like, this is how I've acquired this mug.
0: That's crazy, Charlotte. I Olivia, I do have a question. Do you take your tea straight or do you put things in it? Um, As in milk? Yes. Like, yes, I guess not. Oh, I'm not referring to alcohol. More like honey <laughs> or <laughs> cream or sugar of those varieties.
5: Yeah, definitely milk. And I do have sweetener as well, or sometimes sugar. I'm not a massive fan of black tea. I don't really think it's a big thing in the UK I don't know what it is over there where you guys are but when you don't have milk and tea it's just classes a little bit weird um so yeah normally we have like kind of semi milk rather than like whole so it's not as like heavy as cream but it's not like water either
3: so I'm kind of almost British more than American then because I take my tea with milk and sugar as well and not just like black that's perfect. That's
4: so interesting. I always drink my tea black.
3: I drink your coffee black.
4: I do. Is it
5: hot? Is it still hot or is it cold? Mm-hmm. Yeah, hot tea. Or black. Yeah. That's yep. crazy. <laughs> 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 I
4: can imagine that putting milk in it is good, though. I don't think I've ever even tried it. I should
2: try Charlotte, it. you're wild.
4: <laughs> wild. <laughs> like, <laughs> black coffee, black tea.
5: Or that boring. One or the
1: other. <laughs> Olivia, do you shun us for microwaving our teas?
5: Oh, don't even get me started. It's just that's a crazy life. I don't understand why you would even think about putting a mug with tea in in the microwave. Like, surely it's hot enough if you put hot water in it. But obviously, so okay. Just let's clarify for a minute. Do you put the tea bag in water and then in the microwave, or do you put the hot water in the microwave and then the tea bag?
1: Yes, yeah, the second one. But I've always heard the stereotype of like British people make fun of us for not using a kettle to boil our water. So I thought I'd ask.
5: Uh, I do. See,
3: I'm British, guys, clearly, because I have a tea kettle and that is how I make my tea. I do not microwave it.
5: Yeah, that's the way to go. Honestly, you stick your kettle on and then, yeah, hot water, you're sorted. So when do you not have kettles then?
1: I do, but I'm lazy.
5: I have an electric
0: kettle that it's pretty awesome you just plug it in push the button, it heats it up do you shun
5: electric kettles no that that's the way electric kettles are what we just call normal kettles like if if you have a kettle on maybe a hob or a a, like a stove that would be like that's more kind of 1920s Britain rather than (laughs)
3: 2021 (laughs) yeah Kelly's old school British. (laughs) That's hilarious. Not quite Bridgerton. I'm a little bit past that, right? So I'm more into like the 20s. (laughs) Question, did you watch Bridgerton?
5: Me? Well, I haven't watched it yet, to be honest. I think there's so many things on TV and I just don't ever really get around to doing them, watching them even i do want to everyone said it's really good but no i haven't i haven't watched it yet we
3: we weren't sure if it was like more popular in the u.s because they are in england or if it was still popular over there just because that's what we were trying to figure out so
5: no i feel like it's pretty popular here i just haven't really had the time to watch it we've been watching (laughs) other things catching up with um lots of other tv shows at the moment
4: I haven't watched it either, Olivia, so don't feel bad. (laughs) Maybe that'll be next on the watch list. All right, awesome. Well, now that we've got our tea situation sorted out and that we know Kelly is officially British, Olivia, we were really hoping that you'd be able to give us a little bit of background on just who you are, how you got into girls and marketing, and what should people know about you and the organization?
5: I'm Olivia and I'm the founder and managing director of Girls in Marketing. Up until last year I was the one band team so I was just on my own. I had um, a team of writers helping me out with Girls in Marketing who would also help with workshops and webinars but yes I am basically the eyes and ears of everything. Um, at the moment we do have more people on the team however prior to right now and prior to the last few months I was doing everything so anything that you see online of Girls in Martin was more or less me um, at the moment we do have more in the team so we've I've branched out a little bit and I'm not super involved in every aspect anymore but yes, yeah, so I did work full-time up until last year during the pandemic a lot of people called me crazy for leaving a full-time job during a pandemic and I definitely agreed with them and it was a huge risk when I um did start that because obviously I don't know if any of you guys will resonate but when you take risks it is very scary and you don't know how it's going to go and I had a lot of um, questions from people especially family and friends who were not judging me to the point where they didn't think I should do it but just kind of questioning what I was doing so yeah I work full-time and I now do girls marketing and I also do freelance marketing so I specialize in SEO and content marketing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go into my British background here. Now, mm-hmm. did you go to
3: uni and did you study marketing when you were at uni or if not there?
5: No, yes. So I did go to university, but I didn't study marketing. I studied psychology. So I went to Birmingham, which is in the middle of the UK. Um, it literally is like the central of the UK. <laughs> Because I'm originally from Liverpool, so more up north, and I really enjoyed going to uni, and I love psychology, but when I was there, I found a love for marketing, so I started doing some kind of like free volunteer work whilst I was at university. And then I started offering services, so freelance services, because I I had always loved writing and blogging. So I had a blog from when I was about 14, 15, and I used to blog about the most random things, as you do when you're like 14, 15 and um, beauty and lifestyle and all these lovely things and i loved writing and and i never realized that you could be paid for writing without it being in like a journalist sense because obviously journalists get paid but i wasn't really interested in that sort of thing so yes i did go to university but not to do marketing and i still love psychology now even though i don't really do anything around psychology Out of curiosity,
2: do you think your background in psychology has helped you with your marketing career at all?
5: Yes, definitely. A lot of people do ask me this because it does feed quite nicely into kind of how we purchase and what, what people actually want from us. And I think a core value that I definitely brought into girls in marketing from the beginning was the kind of supportive element. And I definitely learned a lot from my degree so like kind of supporting people and empowering them we did a lot around kind of support and not necessarily directly anything to do with marketing but i definitely think that it's um kind of led nicely into each other olivia i have two questions for you one can you tell us how old you are just for our listeners so
0: they can kind of get an idea of how much you've accomplished since you've graduated Mm -hmm. and you have graduated, right? Or are you still yeah. in university? <laughs> Uni. I'm
5: 22. That's oh a fun age. Yeah. You are. I
4: feel like for all of us, we're like, oh, you are young. Like you've done a lot in a very short period of time. <laughs> That's
2: amazing.
1: The rest of us are in our late 20s or 30s. We're like, oh, we got to get more shit done.
2: <laughs> we got to get our shit together. You should be so proud.
0: Thank you. <laughs> It puts it into perspective. We were all looking at how many followers and the community you've built and we were like, oh, you've got some things going on here.
5: (laughs) Yeah, I think it was a lot of effort. It, It definitely wasn't something that happened overnight. Although the kind of community has grown relatively quickly maybe compared to other people and it definitely wasn't something that just got handed on a plate to me I've I worked tirelessly when I was working full-time through you know nights I was doing kind of just creating the most random things whether it was resources or social media posts that sort of thing even on lunch breaks because I was working in-house um full-time So on my lunch breaks, I had like an hour and I would sit in like the break room and just do graphics for social media and reply to DMs and stuff like that. So it was really stressful, not going to lie. But yeah, I think it's grown amazingly and I'm so grateful that I get to do Girls in Marketing like every day because I said to someone the other day, I feel it's that pinch me moment, but literally every day. how long did
4: you balance that for doing the full-time and the girls in marketing?
5: So to be honest, it started in 2019 and I was working full-time then. And then I left my full-time job at the end of May, 2020. So I would say it wasn't super long, maybe eight or nine months. And that is because when I first started girls in marketing, we weren't making any money at all. So the community wasn't monetized. I was Just doing it for the love of marketing and for the love of finding people who were passionate, the same as me. Um, And then as time kind of went on, I realized the amount of effort and time that I was putting into the community, that I was putting into the platform. And I thought to myself, I'm going to have to monetize it in some way because there's no way that I can carry on working a full time job and also doing this on the side. It was great and it was amazing to do it. And I wish that I could. But obviously with the pandemic, there's no type of funding. There's nothing that you can kind of get hold of that helps you with money in any way. So that's when I decided to monetize it. And it came pretty well because... I was writing a kind of ebook book um, for a while about freelancing because I'd spoken to so many people in the community about freelancing and a lot of them are kind of students and graduates and they've never really heard of freelancing before and that is a lot of how I got my experience when I first started out was kind of just working for different clients across the globe and you know working on their marketing for them. So I was writing an ebook and it wasn't originally something that I was going to charge for. I was just writing it. And then halfway through, I was like the amount of information that I'm putting into this and the amount of time I'm putting into this. It would be quite cool if maybe I turned it into a course rather than an ebook. And I put obviously a little bit more effort into it than if it was a free ebook. So after that, I decided to to go ahead and then we kind of started making some money from it because the the risk for me was I wanted to leave my full-time job to do it but if I hadn't monetized it previously like how did I know that that was going to work going forward? Because I didn't. Some people have these amazing communities, but when they try and make money from it, it just doesn't work. And I know that so many people feel the same and it's so difficult to kind of make that step from offering everything for free to that kind of monetization. So what I wanted to do was keep it as accessible and affordable as possible. So everything that we offer, a lot of it's free, but anything that we offer That is paid is affordable and that's mainly just because i want to make sure that people know what they're getting is good value for money it's not um kind of high prices i know there are a lot of kind of marketing coaches out there and people who charge a lot of money and i would never deny them of doing so but something that i've always carried in terms of goals and missions with girls marketing is to keep it as accessible as possible
4: I actually have a question like building off of that. So you were talking about the monetization and obviously that was the key and critical for you to move away from your full-time job. Mm -hmm. At what point did you say like, okay, I can now have confidence that this is a good time for me to transition out of your everyday work and then into girls and marketing full-time? Because I think a lot of people struggle with that, right? They're like, when do I pull the trigger? At what point? Where's that tipping point? Was it replacing your existing income that you had coming in through your full time job or were you okay, kind of working with a little bit less so that you could put in more time into girls and marketing and grow it?
5: Yeah, so i definitely say the latter. I was really, really lucky because my partner was really supportive of me and he was making a good income and he actually said, you know, it's okay if you want to do this, I'll, I'll kind of support us. As much as I'm a fully independent, strong woman, don't need no man, I also really appreciated that he seen my kind of dream and my goals to, to do something and that he supported me on that but equally as well I did actually have a freelance contract so it wasn't necessarily a super crazy jump because I had a six-month contract that was a freelance contract and that wasn't for the whole amount that I was getting from my full-time job but it was definitely a big chunk of it so once that was signed my notice was right in to my full-time job because I knew that I could cover like my half of the rent and my half of the bills Mm because myself and my partner like split it and so as soon as I knew that I could cover that I was like that's it I am off
3: She's like legit goals of everybody who wants you get into a real job of nine to five or corporate world when you're like six to eight months in and you're like, "Ooh, I do not like this. I would like to quit this forever and do something else. And so props to you for being able to actually do it and then see it like taking off afterwards. <laughs>
5: Thank you. Yeah, I had obviously done freelance previously at university. So I had quite a few clients that I could kind of call upon when they knew that I was quitting my full time job. I said, you know, have you got any other work? And luckily, a few of them actually did. So during the beginning of Girls in Marketing and getting it up and running and kind of getting more income from it. I did rely more on the freelance element of things rather than what Girls in Marketing was um, producing because I also didn't want it to solely be money-faced for me. It had always been about the community, I didn't all of a sudden want it to be, right, well, now I'm going to have to do this to make money. I always wanted it to stay with the core values of like accessibility and affordability. So something that was really important to me was kind of taking on more freelance work but I still did have time for girls in marketing because I didn't make it to the point where it was like full-time work and it was totally different as well because obviously everyone was working from home so I feel like there is definitely a blurred line between work and kind of home when you're working from home don't know if any of you feel the same So I felt like I was doing a lot of different things, but because I was enjoying it, I just didn't even mind it. I was doing a lot of freelance work and I was doing everything from Girls and Marketing, but I was just happy and kind of content because I was doing what I wanted to do and I was passionate about it.
4: That's like living the dream. Like, I'm so happy to be doing the work and I'm excited and I'm enjoying it. And like, that's what everybody I feel like wants is to be able to do their work, but have it not feel like work. Olivia, you mentioned community, and I feel like that's kind of the big word here that we definitely want to dive into and talk about. And I know we ourselves have started in our 9 to 5s where we currently all work together, we've built a pretty strong, robust community, and it's not an easy thing to do. It takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of build up and a lot of dedication. And you're at this point where you're 80,000 people strong in this community, right? Like whether it's followers on social or different platforms or whether you have you know a specific community where people go and interact with each other. But I guess the big question here for us is how did you grow the community so quickly? What factors do you think played into your success? And then what platforms do you use for the community to get people engaging with you and each other? And what does that look like?
5: I think the initial success came from the fact that there was nothing else like it before. So there are kind of networking groups for marketers and there's very much kind of like groups for business owners and founders but there's nothing really for just marketers whether you know you maybe do freelancing or you work nine to five or you work remote that sort of thing. There was nothing like that that existed and I think it was initially successful because of that and people thought this is something that I've never seen before I've never seen a community dedicated to marketing not just dedicated to freelancers or business owners or anything like that something that they can all resonate with and I think there's a lot more marketers in the world than there is kind of freelancers because as much as it's great to be a freelancer and be involved in freelancing communities I think there's that aspect of if you're working in a full-time job as a marketer and maybe you're in a team but that team isn't as passionate about marketing as you are or maybe you want to like upskill on certain aspects of marketing and they're not really bothered about that I was definitely in that position because as much as I loved the office and the team that I was working with I didn't really feel they were as passionate as I was so I wanted to find my own people um So that was definitely one of the successes. But also, I think as much as the pandemic hasn't been great for everyone, it was definitely good for us in a sense, because it was that online community element that people craved, because they weren't getting that face to face networking, they weren't getting that face to face contact. And when they seen there was other people coming together within marketing, whether they were a student or they worked nine to five as a marketer. They really resonated with that community and with with us. So I think that as much as it obviously hasn't been the best for most businesses and it's definitely been devastating on the entire world. It was a good thing for us in, in a sense, if that doesn't sound totally um, okay. ignorant but that Not was was That was, def- <laughs> that yeah, was definitely yeah. something that really did um, help with success because people were going to the internet rather than anywhere else to find like-minded people. And then in regards to your question about the different platforms, at the moment, our main platforms are LinkedIn and Instagram. We actually have a totally different audience on both. On Instagram, it's mainly kind of students and graduates, whereas on LinkedIn, it's very much more professionals, which is kind of crazy because you have like such a range of different people. And that's one of the reasons that we decided to create our member society. So we decided to have a membership, which is solely focused on kind of upskilling and community. Um, But what was great about that is that it brought the different platforms together because we also have TikTok and we also have Facebook groups as well. So we had kind of all these different social media platforms and Everyone loved the different social media platforms but they weren't really in this one place so the idea and it obviously came from that and thinking where is somewhere that we can bring everyone together so that they can chat so that they can upscale so they can be the best that you know they can possibly be and I thought that an affordable kind of membership was the best way to go for us and we launched that on the 1st of February and since then, which is obviously not that long ago, um, it's been really, really great. And I definitely think that people needed it, not just now, but in general, kind of all the time because people have talked about our first networking session and we all had a chat and everyone said it seems like one big kind of friendship group, which is great. Um, so that is another kind of platform that we're really utilizing at the moment, which is obviously our own platform which is amazing what a technology platform are you using for the paid membership so that is a story in itself to be honest <laughs> um, because I didn't really know what platform I wanted to use I wanted the best user experience and I wanted something that wasn't expensive because the membership itself isn't expensive we had a founding member price that people could purchase kind of for monthly which was literally ten ninety nine, £10.99, so £10.99 a month which is really affordable but that also meant that when I was starting it up and kind of getting everything together I was thinking if no one joins I need something that like is still affordable anyway So we originally did start on kind of WordPress but we had a lot of issues we were using like plugins and it was okay but I just didn't feel 100% happy with it and if I'm charging for something it's the same with anything that I ever do I wanted to make sure that I was like a thousand million percent you know over the moon about it and I wasn't So we decided to go with Kajabi instead. I know that's a big membership kind of platform. A lot of people use that and that's proven really well up to now. Everyone seems to really be enjoying it. Everyone understands how to use it. And there are so many out there, but that's something that's worked well for us. The only downside for Kajabi was the price. I do think that it's expensive I think I kind of got over it, though, because of the features. So it was kind of looking at what you actually get for your money. Obviously, with the WordPress and all the plugins, that was free. So I was thinking, amazing, great, that's free. You know, we can do that. But then the reality of it was it didn't look very good at all. And it was kind of a bit embarrassing, to be honest, to expect people to pay for something like that. Um, So I just took the plunge and started building on Kajabi. And that was great. And that's been really good up to now. And I think it's great for scalability as well. If we want to keep pushing and getting more members, I think it'll be great for in the future. That's something that I wanted to take into consideration. And I think I'm kind of over the price now because it's got so much to offer. I still don't think that I've used it to its full potential yet.
1: Olivia, since we're talking technology, I wanted to ask, is there things that you pay for Versus free versions that you'd be willing to share?
5: Yeah, so obviously Kajabi kind of holds the membership and we do pay for that. That is on the more kind of expensive side of things. In terms of actual technology, we obviously use project management tools. Anything that we do use normally project management-wise is free. So we were using Trello, but I kind of went on to Asana more now. Um, I'm not sure what your preference is but I think it's so strange kind of when you're project managing something and like planning everything out trying to decide what works best whether you're like a visual person or whether you're like a spreadsheet person and um, I've always been more kind of in the side of like writing and like visual but I also do really appreciate a spreadsheet as well um so yes we kind of move more onto a sun in terms of other there kind of technology. In all honesty, probably nothing too exciting. Obviously the casual kind of social media scheduling tools.
4: We're big Asana fans over here. That's like our go-to. We use it at our nine to fives and we use it for the podcast and all of our content planning and episode planning and all that stuff. So we are definitely big advocates of the (laughs) Asana world, so to speak. Olivia, I wanted to go back real quick to something you were saying about the timing of girls in marketing because I think that's a really interesting point that the timing of things definitely played into some of the success that you've seen. But mm-hmm. I think the other point you hit on is the fact that there's a lot more marketers out there, right, than freelancers or business owners. And I I think that's an interesting point because there are a lot of communities that I see that are for freelancers and that are for business owners. Mm-hmm. And the fact that there was such a void in the marketing space is is very interesting to me, but you found it and you capitalized on it and mm-hmm. you realized that marketers are naturally collaborative, creative people who mm-hmm. need that interaction and creativity. I guess it's energizing because like, I know for us as a team, that's one of the reasons we actually built the podcast and why we work together so well is because all of us have that desire to learn and collaborate and share ideas and we have this passion for it. And I realize sometimes I think I forget that not everybody maybe has that in their workplace and that girls in marketing is filling that void. So even regardless, like outside of the pandemic, it'll be interesting to see how when things start to go back to normal, how girls in marketing continues to grow. Mm
2: -hmm. Do you have
4: any thoughts around whether you might see membership start to taper off as people start to go back to work? Or do you have any plans in place to, you know, potentially continue to promote and grow after that happens?
5: Yeah, I think we will obviously have to kind of think about what we're offering people because as we kind of grow again out of the pandemic and kind of navigate this new world everyone will have to learn and I think for us it'll be very much about that collaborative element that is kind of more on a national scale I don't think that we'll see memberships taper off I definitely think that people will be more interested because even if you are interested in doing networking the typical going to events and stuff like that something that girls marketing does that not a lot of other events do is it's a lot more casual so there are the kind of going to these networking events and meeting these people and hello what do you do you know how do you do that sort of thing but with girls and marketing it's very much more relaxed like obviously it's all virtual something that would be cool in future is to do more in-person events so even kind of taking it away from online and doing things in person We'd love to go into universities and do talks there, talking to students and graduates, and even taking the membership offline. Obviously, the majority of it will be online, but something that I think would work really well is the kind of networking aspect offline and workshops and stuff like that. So I definitely think any aspect to anything is just kind of learning to grow with the times. And I definitely did that initially and will continue to do that in future. So hopefully it will continue to grow and people will continue to enjoy it. And I think as well, we're not going to see these huge events happening for a long time, um, possibly like a year or so. I know that people are hopeful that they will happen, but definitely not the kind of huge events. If you think about the amount of people that come to a Girls in Marketing virtual event, I don't feel like we will get that back anytime soon but it's still great to have that kind of virtual connection with people and it's international as well so similar to today we have a lot of people in the membership that are international and um, a few people from the states Australia that sort of thing and they like to get involved and they like the aspect of having other people that are kind of international we can chat to them. And we did have a networking event the other day and there was only one girl from America and she said I feel so on my own but everyone was still lovely and still chatting and I think it's very much about that community aspect but regardless of borders something that you can't do really in networking events is talk to people across seas but obviously you can if it's virtual.
1: There's something about hearing someone else's accent that's just so appealing. I love listening to you. When you said cup of tea at the beginning of this episode, I was like, ah,
4: yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you ever host like a world conference, let us know. We will absolutely attend and we would love to participate in any way possible. Make sure you let us know if that's on your radar. I actually did have a question about how you are monetizing because obviously you said you keep the price low for the community, but how are you choosing what to charge for and what to give away for free. Does it have to do with your funnel of getting people into the membership? Is it less sophisticated than that? Or are you very strategically choosing what you offer as free resources versus paid offerings?
5: Yeah, I'm not really a big kind of person who's in it for the money. I don't really even think about a funnel, possibly should, but I definitely don't. Um, for me, it's just a more about the quality of what you're producing. So everything that we produce is obviously amazing quality. But at the same time, I think some things are more worthwhile than others. So I personally think anything that I feel I can charge for and that I would pay for, I'll charge for it. So for example, if it's a workshop that's on something really practical that I think I'd I'd pay for this, then I would charge for it. It's literally as easy as like common sense. I know some people kind of do these whole funnels of like giving away freebies, like you were saying, for the kind of membership. but much more simple than that and i don't really like to overthink things too much i do sometimes have um webinars or workshops that are related to products that we're offering so for example we did do a how to network as a marketer webinar and at the end i obviously did talk about the new membership but it wasn't something that i felt was purely for that reason there was obviously still reasonings other than that and obviously everyone works in different ways but when I decided to monetize I didn't really want to be this typical sales person and even though Girls in Marketing is monetized we are not making these big bucks like at all I don't know what people in general think that we do I don't think they have the Kind of aspect that we are doing that. But the reason that everything is affordable is because I am just that type of person. Morally, I don't like to charge something that I wouldn't pay for myself. And I always see courses and workshops that are literally hundreds, thousands of pounds. And I get disheartened because I think I could not afford to do that. Even if I had the money to do it, I probably still wouldn't because obviously it's an investment in yourself but it's not necessarily something I think people should charge a huge amount for but obviously it's personal preference if people want to charge that they can and definitely people do applause to those people because they definitely do make the most out of what they can but like i said it's a lot more than just the money for me it's definitely the community aspect and just helping people out and i wish that we could have more funding it's definitely something that i'm looking into more it's kind of the funding element because i don't always like to feel like i'm taking money off people i prefer for it to be all free but you know as i said before that's not in um, the real world it's definitely ideal but it's not always going to happen you've got to make money from things that are taking up your time and taking up your effort
1: well olivia you say you would love for it to all be free but at the end of the day you have a team now i saw on your website so you do have to pay for your team members to join you is that something that you've been just growing in the last couple months or have you had a couple teams on your belt over the course of the year
5: Mm -hmm. so I did start things off on more of a voluntary level so we have a mix of some volunteers and some freelancers and we've just taken on a girl now who is more kind of part-time but like I said before doesn't make the big book so it's not something that we can necessarily say I'm going to hire loads of different people so yeah we do work with a few volunteers and a few kind of more freelancers I am looking to kind of work more with freelancers rather than volunteers the only reason that I initially started out with the kind of volunteer route was because I wasn't making enough money to pay them and we've started to phase that out now very kind of gradually but something I like to do with the team is give people experience so the girls are in the team don't have a wealth of experience but they're definitely passionate and motivated and just amazing to be around and they come with fresh and new ideas which is great Um, I don't think that especially graduates and students are given enough of a chance, especially when it comes to workplaces. And as from an employer point of view, I really do understand that because I understand how hard it can be to train someone. But on a different level, I understand their struggle because it's that element of jobs need experience to be able to get them. So most of the team who come on board don't have a lot of experience, but they do have passion or possibly they've done kind of some marketing stuff before. One of the original girls I took on the team, Martha, she literally didn't have any experience at all. She is currently still a student at university in her last year and she's doing creative and professional writing. She's really interested in PR And she sent me an email and it was literally the most amazing thing I've ever read ever. And it was so passionate and so motivating. And I took her on as just a volunteer initially. And then after about two months or so, I decided to start paying her freelance. And all she'd ever done before was work in a restaurant as a supervisor. So she didn't have this wealth of experience, but she really appreciated the chance. And I'm hoping that... If we don't get her in Girls in Marketing and that she comes and works for us, that she'll definitely get somewhere that really appreciates her um, kind of going forwards and into the future because she where she lives and kind of goes to university in the south of the UK. So I don't know if that will be possible going forwards. It would be amazing to do that, but obviously might not be possible. So I hope that having Girls in Marketing on a CV and having that kind of experience will really help her in the future it's like
3: an internship really, right? But it's less formal and they're actually getting more than they would out of like an actual formal internship where you have to be in that field to get into there. You're actually just taking people in who have a passion for something like that and you're teaching them the skills that they need. So it's almost better for them and for you, you know, overall.
5: Yeah, no, definitely. I think with an internship the kind of legalities that come with it is really difficult so if you take on an intern it's like taking on an employee which is difficult and we have a lot of different legalities in the UK regarding pay and regarding how you kind of treat them not that I would not treat them well or pay <laughs> them well um but there's just a lot to kind of live up to and that's something that I wasn't really interested in doing and I didn't also have a base, so obviously we've recently got an office but before that we didn't so with, with internships and employees you obviously need somewhere a base for them to be and I didn't have that so that's not something that I could do but it definitely is like an internship for them and now Martha is working with us a lot more and hopefully if we can afford it she'll be able to come on board even more when she graduates because she's really great and she's definitely flourished. She's been on the team since August last year now, so go a good few months and yeah, she's just super passionate and she's really good at what she does. And I think that's what I need from people is really just enjoying the community and also enjoying being part of the team and enjoying learning and everything.
0: I was just curious when you were talking about virtual events and webinars, what platform do you use for that because we're always trying to find new ways to engage people virtually at the moment
5: yeah it's literally just zoom or youtube okay. just the standard to be honest um i i have looked at other different platforms to use but again the price is quite expensive i think zoom's really affordable and i actually purchased like a large audience subscription so rather than having um like the webinar function on zoom i just do it as like a large meeting instead so you can host up to like 500 people or you could do a thousand people and it's really affordable i know there are so many webinar workshop um tools out there but it's just worked for us it might not you know in future it might be something that we need to rethink um but it's always worked for us up to now
4: There's also something you mentioned, and I think this is something that I really appreciate about your perspective, is the giving people a chance. Because I do feel like there's this continual conversation that's happening out there about how do you get experience and how do you get experience if every job you're trying to apply for requires experience and you don't have any, and Mm -hmm. without having to go volunteer. But not everybody may be in a position where they can offer up their time in that type of capacity. Mm -hmm. And I love your approach where if somebody is passionate and willing to learn and coachable. I think we've found the same thing when we've been you know, hiring, even when it's freelancers or interns or what have you, but if they're willing to learn and willing to put in the effort and work hard and they're passionate and that they're coachable and willing to take feedback, that is like the ultimate thing you're looking for. And that's truly an indicator of somebody's success. So I love that you do that. and I think that's really important. And I hope people who are looking to hire are listening to this because I don't think that's taken into consideration often enough.
5: No, definitely. I often think as well, just students and graduates especially, learn really quickly. So even though you do have to train these people and put the initial time and effort into it, if you've got someone who is passionate, they'll learn pretty quickly and they'll be able to be really good at what they're doing and they bring a fresh perspective as well. So many employers fail to recognise the fact that students and graduates especially have such a unique view of the world and of digital, especially with the kind of rise of TikTok at the moment. I know a lot of companies are trying to hire more kind of fresh talent, but something that they have to realise is that a lot of this fresh talent doesn't necessarily have the experience as much as in an ideal world, it would be great to have that. They don't because people just go to school. They go to college. Well, this is in the UK. And then they go to university. And I'm sh- pretty sure that will s- similar happen throughout the world, just education and then a job. People don't think about you know going away and maybe doing like a year in a job or doing something like that and then when they graduate employers are like so where's your five years of experience and your degree thank you um, and it's just not possible and I think hopefully employers will come around to it more and realize that even if people do have um the passion they might not have the experience and that's just something that you've got to take a hit on initially.
4: I actually I have a hope that more and more companies start ending their requirement for a college degree to hire people and look more at experience. Because I think when you look at some of these larger companies like Google or Apple, when people are passionate, they're often doing things from a really young age. So if you're looking for software developers, they're often off coding and playing around on things from when they're eight or 10 years old. So why should they have to go to school when they've already figured out how to learn and how to grow and gain their own experience? I think the same goes for marketing. I really hope that that requirement ultimately starts to get dropped because university and school and professional training is expensive and it's not accessible to everybody. I guess I don't know the model in the UK, but in the US, like college and university is really expensive. And Mm -hmm often people are bogged down with student loans and it's not easy.
0: Mm -hmm. You also might not get a degree in marketing, but you could still end up there, right? I think most of our team, Charlotte's probably maybe Paige too, but the only exception where they went and got a degree, even Katie, I guess, but Charlotte's got a degree. And then this was her first job out of college. But I don't think that's true for any of the rest of us. Paige did get a graphic design degree, but she had to work at a few other jobs and start at our company as an intern. Kelly didn't get a degree in training. Hers was very far away from that. And like, what was it? Recreation management or something? Commercial recreation and facility management. There you go. Mine was in scientific illustration, and Katie has a marketing degree, but this wasn't her first job out of college, and she went through having to do customer support, and I think through internal opportunities, we were able to move into the positions we have today, but we've had to go through a few things, and it's been an evolution to get to where we are. It didn't happen right out of the gates.
3: I also just want to add on that people, when they're younger, are able to learn things so much faster and like pick up on new skills. Because now in my old age, I just have too many like song lyrics from like the 80s and 90s and movie references. I can't learn new skills anymore. So that's why you got to teach the young kids what they need to be doing and they can pick it up so much quicker and be faster in whatever they're working
4: on. That's hilarious, Kelly. I feel like you could probably do like some really good karaoke. I mean, like actually knowing the lyrics? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not suggesting that you might be like a great singer or anything, though I would love to hear that. Yes.
2: I feel like this is a great segue into one of our closing questions. We have a couple closing questions for you, Olivia. But what advice would you give someone who is trying to get their own business or community off the ground?
5: Oh, that's a difficult one. I think definitely work hard but not too hard that you burn yourself out, Um, I definitely worked hard, especially when I was working full-time, and at the start of Girls' Marketing, but it's not necessarily something that you should allow to take over your life, because I definitely did in different aspects, I love marketing, and I love the community, and I think something that was really difficult was, for me, was the blurred lines of like home and work, and really enjoying things, I think A lot of people have done this during the pandemic because of working from home and also because there's not a lot else to do when you're at home. And I'm not a huge kind of TV or like film lover. So as much as I do when I like something, I will binge watch something. And at the same time, if I've got a passion for something such as marketing, then I'm obviously gonna kind of live and breathe it. So you do have to work hard when you're building a business or a community, but do it and don't let it take all your energy because there's still lots of other things to do and kind of enjoy as well. And I definitely think maybe over the last few months, as girls and marketing has gotten bigger, I've realized that kind of growing the team and having people do other things is great because it allows me to just take a break and really reflect on things. I was watching a few YouTube videos a few months ago talking about kind of when you're um, doing a business that you should focus 80% of your time on the business and then 20% of your time um, in the business. So something that I was doing was all the kind of little bits of things that you can do so social media and emails and stuff like that and as much as that was great and obviously it's kind of community management it wasn't working on the business or on the community it was just working within it and I felt like I was wasting so many days just doing the most random things that weren't really helping us grow and helping us kind of move forward but I do think that as much as I probably would have still been in that cycle had I have not taken on another team member to help me do it, which I really respect when business owners do that for quite a long time because I obviously wasn't doing it for years and years I felt very overwhelmed with having to do that I think because our numbers grew quite quickly I was very overwhelmed with the amount of people involved I I love it and I love the fact that everyone's getting involved but because I was one person I was kind of like I can't reply to 20 30 DMs a day and we literally do get that and I would love to reply to everyone but it just takes up so much time it's kind of like I don't have the time to do this so I am hoping as we consolidate the community in the membership and through Facebook groups that other people can bounce off each other and help each other because as much as I'd love to help everyone at any point in the day I can't it's not realistic I'm obviously only one person but yeah having a team and having people helping me has definitely helped that kind of community engagement aspect of things.
4: I love that. That's really good advice, the 80-20 and where you should be spending your time. The last question we had here is it's always really nice to hear inspiration or advice from people who have accomplished really cool things. And I think it's safe to say that you fall in that category of people who have accomplished really cool things and in a really short amount of time and at a really young age. So we're curious, what's the best piece of advice that you were given by somebody that you want to share with our listeners?
5: Um, I think probably just slow down something that I struggle with a lot is to slow down and like I said before because the community has grown quite quickly I was kind of like we've got to do all these things to keep up with everything that everyone's doing and a lot of people were kind of jumping on our success and kind of creating their own things which is amazing and great and I'm all for creating your own opportunity but I was trying to keep up with everyone it's just not possible and it's not realistic to think that you're going to be able to do everything that everyone else is doing. And there's enough room in you know, the industry and in the space for everyone to be. Something that I've definitely learned a lot more recently is just to slow down and appreciate what you've got because you know the 80,000, 90,000 combined followers that we have online is absolutely mental and I've never really kind of pictured it in terms of like maybe a stadium or something like that and I was thinking the other night it is crazy because someone was talking about 500 followers on Instagram and saying how amazing that is and I was thinking you know what that is amazing and then I was thinking but we have like so many and then I was thinking that's crazy because obviously 500 people is a a crazy amount but then think of like 80,000 that's even Crazier. It's numbers I don't think that we can even comprehend. I couldn't even think of 80,000 anything in the whole world, never mind like uh, people I know or anything. I mean, obviously, I have a family and friends. And when you're in a room, when we called back before COVID of like 30 people, that felt like a lot. So I'm now trying to imagine a room of like, or a, a massive room, multiple rooms, for like thousands of people. It's mental. How big is Wembley Stadium? Like how many people? You know what? I don't know. Not going to lie. I wonder if it's probably around that. It is Uh probably. You know, so like that's
3: crazy to think. That's a good way to put things into perspective is Mm -hmm. how much it would fill in a stadium or an auditorium to know like how many followers you have. That's awesome.
4: Yeah, it is crazy. I love that you use the word mental too. I love that term. For some reason, like it's mental and I love it. With that, obviously, Olivia, we, this has been amazing having you on here. We really appreciate your time. I think people are going to be really excited to hear your thoughts, your perspectives and your advice. I think we probably could have talked to you for so much longer. There's so many questions and so many things. Maybe down the road, we'll do a part two and dive into even more things at a deeper level. But for now, I think this was fantastic. And to everybody listening, we really appreciate you joining us for another episode of Wine and Whiteboards. We hope you came away with some ideas to build or grow your own community. Or if you're running your own accounts and uh, communities, please tell us what ideas you're going to be taking away and implementing on your own. Thank you so much. And till next time. Cheers. 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 Cheers.
3: Thanks for listening to the Wine and Whiteboards Podcast.
1: For show notes, links, templates, and other resources, visit our Instagram page at Wine and Whiteboards Podcast.
0: And while you're there, follow us to get more hacks and occasional wine-themed humor.
4: If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to us if you would take a minute to leave a review.
2: And don't forget to subscribe so you can continue listening to our marketing tips and design tips. Cheers. Cheers!